right, here we go on Wednesday, January 6th. It is 2.43 here in the studio. The uh, on-air show is mostly all taken care of. It's Eric and um, no fam today. Usually on Wednesdays, we have a community guest. And I am very excited. I shouldn't have told you that it was a community guest. I should have told you that my deep inner nerddom was going to come out with today's guest. And you could have gone and said, great, he's probably got some Marvel comic book writer on. Well, you know that nerd, and um, I would be excited about that. But the other nerd in me is I am a history geek. I love history. My favorite uh, American history, my favorite time, my favorite era in American history um, is the Civil War on. I love the Civil War and and, and Abraham Lincoln, and and mostly part of that is what drew me to want to grab Ted Long on. And we're going to have Ted on in a couple of minutes. Ted is a historian. He's behind the blog Holy Toledo History. I know a lot of people, get uh, they geek out over old Toledo photographs about streets we drive and walk on, shop on, eat on now, downtown and around the area, whether they're on Toledo Reddit and people love them or they get shared on Facebook. You love them. Uh, Ted um, has a lot of those. Ted, Ted has a book. But let me come back to that in one second. So the, the, the history nerd in me... Um, is excited to talk to Ted. My favorite time in history, Civil War, Lincoln, all that stuff. Um, in fact, I told somebody today, because there's a lot of politics um, going on, um, I like the Civil War on up until right before the First World War. So if you ever want to talk about that stuff, let's have that discussion. Um, today, you're either going to love and nerd out like me with the guest, or it might not be for you, but I encourage you to stick with it because a lot of the, you do a lot, you love Toledo. You go to the Metro Parks, you go to the Art Museum, you go to the Old West End, but Ted knows even more than that. He is going to be the author of the book, which comes out in April, 100 Things to Do in Toledo Before You Die. He has things which I have, places, streets I've never heard of, neighborhoods. So instead of going to the same old places over and over again, Add some new places to your repertoire of places you enjoy uh, visiting and then bragging about with Toledo. But I told a guy today, um, what we've been dealing with in America since the, the, the recession in 2008, from then till now, has truly been a second Gilded Age. Gilded Age is what happened um, from Reconstruction. Uh, am I recording everything? Yeah, from Reconstruction um, through, again, Teddy Roosevelt, where uh, you had... The Rockefellers, uh, J.P. Morgan, um, Andrew Carnegie, um, they were, they were Tesla, Bill Gates, Mark Zuckerberg of the time, where very few people accumulated a majority of the wealth, and we saw, we began to see the deep divide of of inequality, and if. That's the only tease I'm going to give you, um, but if what's going on now, you'd like to see how it happened a uh, hundred and some years ago, 120 years ago, um, you would be interested by it and see how similar, you know, history does repeat itself. We'll get to 10 in a couple of minutes here. Let me give you a couple of things. I saw the Dr. Dre. I woke up to Dr. Dre had an aneurysm and I immediately went, shit, he died. Um, I've mentioned to you before. If, um, if I could choose how I were going to go, give me the aneurysm. Um, because it comes like that, and there you can't find these things. They just happen, and I think we would all prefer a very quick death rather than a long, agonizing, painful one. He didn't die, and like we were talking about yesterday with Janet Amid, I kept bringing up destiny. She talked about free will. Well, guess what? With Dr. Dre, um, it wasn't his time, 
Wasn't his time to go. Like with Alex and her mom. Not their time. Um, Detroit-style pizza. Um, my friend Mary from The Blade had that article in The Blade today. And um, Detroit-style pizza. So I think of Buddies. And are we getting a Buddies at the Monroe and Talmadge Old Anderson spot? Somebody mentioned that. I'm waiting for him to get back to me. Um, certainly a, a great addition to the area. And again, Detroit pizza, I think of it as. And Mary gave a great description a couple of weeks ago on the podcast episode. For me... It's not quite deep dish. It's not quite Sicilian, but it's thick. It's girthy. Um, it would be a g- good addition to have buddies to the area. Yesterday, we had the awful news that the walleye season was not happening this year. I read another story today from, um, from baseballamerica.com. You can figure out what it is. They have reported that um, some minor league levels are postponing the start of their season. Single A, double A. So that's not the Mud Hens. The Mud Hens are AAA. They're in the International League. And they didn't say when those two levels were postponing till, but they will be postponed. Um, this it, it shouldn't be surprising if the Mud Hens season is postponed or at least the start of it. I know Major League Baseball owners want to push back the start of their season, and that certainly affects the minor leagues. The Mud Hens certainly are not going to start before the Tigers will begin. Um and I think we should prepare and uh, and embrace the Mud Hens pushing back the beginning of their season or opening day because, hey, maybe they start on April 15th or April 30th, which would be a, a two-week pushback or so, maybe a month depending on, you know, the opening, opening day or at least opening day for minor league baseball shifts. But if we push back two or three weeks, um, okay, that's one thing. But even if it's more than that, like into May, I think we have a better chance of having – a scaled-down opening day. Because, again, they could start on April 15th or 25th or 30th, and they might play ball, but we won't be allowed to attend the festivities as we might like. So if the minor league baseball season for the Mud Ends is pushed into May, we have a better chance of, I mean, what we've done for years past an opening day ain't happening. I mean, we should cross our fingers that we can have that next year. And the virus just doesn't continue to linger and linger. But if we want to go to games, and I think we do, and or at least be downtown while games are happening, uh, we should probably expect and, and maybe even hope, but certainly embrace the minor league baseball season, the Mud Hens starting sometime in May. Um, without further ado, uh, let me introduce Ted Long, uh, blogger, creator of uh, HolyToledoHistory.com. Ted can tell you how that got started, but I came across Ted because um, on Sunday, I was reading the Blade News Slide, as I do every day, and there was an article about a book that Ted has written called um, Forgotten Visitors, Northwest Ohio's Notable Guests. So many say, iconic um, celebrities, like true luminaries of human history, have visited Toledo and have had glowing things to say. And uh, one particular story, because of, again, what I happen to love, my passion point for history, um, Frederick Douglass um, had truly a seminal moment in American history, in uh, the Civil War, and his relationship with Lincoln happened here. Um, 
you'll, I'll let Ted tell the story, but it might have happened somewhere else. Maybe those two were destined to be what they were in history. But a seminal moment in their relationship is because of Toledo. Let's get to Ted Law. It is, it's great to talk to you. I'm so glad that the uh, that the Blade wrote the article about the book, Ted Long, Forgotten Visitors, uh, the Notable Guests of uh, Northwest Ohio. I got to say, I got really excited to chat with you when I was prepping for the interview, and I'd come up with some general topics, and then I just like to have conversations with people, but I got really excited. I had a smile on my face today when I was going over the blog, Holy Toledo History. Uh, com when you said that you you're you love history and you're a storyteller so i i'm all ears for you i'm i'm giddy to chat with you oh that's great um i'm glad to hear that i uh my kids and my grandkids are tired of hearing the stories so if i have somebody <laughs> else to tell them to that's great um holy toledo history.com the blog lots of great photographs and i know certain places that i hop around on the internet i go to the toledo reddit page and every time there's an uh an older toledo photo there of like st Clair street from 1904 or something on summit um that pops up on facebook an old photograph people love those things so tell me uh, how the blog got started and how you got going with that. Well, I, I got started in kind of the local history genre about 20 years ago. I've always had an interest in local history, and I was asked to get involved with Leadership Toledo and host their annual uh, regional tour. And you put about 50 people on a bus, spend the day, and essentially, you know, tell them the story of the region. And I got pretty passionate about that. You know, I had to do a lot of research and, and you know, really get it down because, you know, you're in front of a group of people and you have to storytell and make sure they're engaged. And that got me, you know, quite interested. Then I got involved in a couple of local history organizations, the Sylvania Historical Society and the Sylvania, um, uh, I think they call themselves now, um, I'm not sure what they're calling themselves now, but it's the <laughs> city of Sylvania sponsored uh, museum here in uh, Sylvania. I was on the board of their, that, that organization and then they merged with the historical society. That's why I wasn't sure about what they're calling themselves now. And then also the Toledo history museum was mm-hmm. involved in that for a, a little while. And then I, um, you know, realized that what I really like to do is not so much serve on boards and get involved in programs where, you know, you're, you're kind of moving things along real slow. Uh, I really just wanted to tell stories about local history. Sure. And that's when I decided blogging was the best way to go. So this all, so the blog came from, from the tours. Um, and how long has the blog been up and running now? Exactly. Uh, I think it's been up for about three years. And um, at the same time that I've been doing the blogs, I also have been doing other tours. Mm-hmm. So, in addition to you know this once a year leadership Toledo tour, I wrote uh, the unholy Toledo tour, the gangster tour, that's based on Ken Dixon's books and um, Schaefer's books on uh, you know the, the old gambling clubs in Toledo. I gathered all that up and put it, put it together originally for the Valentine Theater. I was um, on the board there and served as president and talked to them about you know. Is there something different we could do and bring in some actors and do this tour? Couldn't really make it work for the Valentine, but we did do it for the Toledo History Museum for about, uh, I don't know, I guess we did it for a whole year. 
And we just picked one weekend a month and we sold it out every time we did it. Awesome. So it, people, love, like you say, people in this town love their history. Well, this is why I wanted to... And uh, that that tour led to others. I wanted to connect with you because we have... Is there an, is there an echo? Uh, is, that, is there a delay on, on my end? Yes, there uh, is. Uh, just a <laughs> slight delay, yeah. Okay, good. noted, noted. Um Part of the, one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you and, and share uh, your stories with with the people that tune in for the podcast is this this area. As I found out now from living here for you know almost nine ne- years, there is a rich amount of history, and a lot of it um, has to do with the region. And I guess I'll keep it with that. Um, I'll you one of your blog posts said somebody said you should write a book, and you went about that, and now we've got the book. So can we can we talk about how? How you got into writing the book, and then let's dive into the book a little bit. Sure. Yeah, I uh, got, received an email from Yarko Cook, who's the uh, editor at the Toledo University of Toledo Press, uh, executive editor, and he just simply said, hey, I like your stuff. Have you ever thought about doing a book? And I had, but I just never knew where I would start. And so he and I chatted, and I said, yeah, I'd be interested in the project, but I just I have to wrap my head around what it would, you know, there's so many different angles. And I've told this story so many times in the last month, you know, interviewing with people about the book, it starts to sound redundant to me, but <laughs> it, 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 it's really came down to, uh, I was reading a backstory piece in the New York Times. It was about uh, Wyatt Earp. And in the article, the author talked about how when Jack Dempsey stepped into the ring in Toledo in 1919, for the epic, you know, heavyweight fight with um, Willard, Jess Willard, he looked out into the crowd and saw uh, Wyatt Earp and Bat Masterson taking guns and knives from tough guys in the crowd. And I, it just, like I've told people before, that just blew me away. It was like, I had no idea these two icons of the American West were ever in Toledo. But the fact they were together in 1919, I mean, who knew? And so that drove the whole thing about, you know, like, well, who else showed up in Toledo that I don't know about uh, that the story's just not being told? And that's that's what really kind of launched the book highlighted in the uh, in, in the blade article from over the weekend and I'm happy to share that out if anybody doesn't have access to it I can get it to you um, there's the Amelia Earhart story Arthur Conan, Arthur Conan Doyle behind Sherlock Holmes Mark Twain Houdini you already mentioned uh, Wyatt Earp the one that struck me I am I, like I mentioned I'm a big history person too my favorite time of history is is our Civil War um, it's very reflective at least after it uh, with a lot of things that are going on right now and I, I'm a big link fan but I'm aware of his, his some of his complicated parts of history he did not have the best relationship at first with Frederick Douglass and um, in the Blade article maybe their relationship turned in a different direction here from Toledo that's that's right I and I stumbled onto that just doing the research and each one of those stories in the book I wanted them to have a real backstory you know not just that you know, um, Douglas visited Toledo, but that there was something else that comes out of that. And, you know, I can't make that happen. It's just, you got to do the research and you either find stories that have that kind of a spin to it, or you don't. And in the case of Douglas, you know, I wasn't sure, but I started to, you know, um, look around and I discovered that, well, first of all, there's some great pieces in the blade 
at that time, uh, a journalist narrating, you know, essentially the Douglas presentation. And it just so happened that Sojourner Truth was with him. And uh, Douglas actually had a uh, some kind of cold or virus at that time. And he, he kind of, towards the end of the speech, was losing uh, strength and invited her up. And she spoke. And, um, and it's all there in black and white in the, in the blade. So it's really fascinating to, you know, think back what was going on at that time and then, you know, hear them talking to each other, um, <laughs> on, on stage and to this big crowd. Um, and, and so what was interesting is, you know, at that time, this is 1864, Douglas had already, um, showed his support for a third party candidate to run against Lincoln in a um, convention that was held earlier in the year. And that was surprising. And he was really kind of losing a sense of trust for Lincoln because Lincoln had committed the year before that he would focus on convicting and punishing people uh, from the Confederate army who had been uh, murdering essentially African-American prisoners of war. And, and and prosecuting those. And Douglas felt like he wasn't really following through on that. And so he was losing uh, trust and, and um, respect for him. In this speech in Toledo, he really didn't come off as, you know, rah, rah, let's all vote for Lincoln. Let's, you know, end this war. And there was a person in the audience who happened to just be passing through Toledo to visit a brother on their way to DC to visit Lincoln. And so a week, 10 days later, he's sitting in the White House and they're talking about how to prosecute the war. Lincoln is kind of wringing his hands over the fact that they thought that um, the Emancipation Proclamation, uh, Emancipation Proclamation, <laughs> sorry, uh, easy for you to say, um, they felt like that would have freed a number of um, black slaves to participate in the war effort. Uh, you know, come north, turn around, come back and help participate and again, prosecute the war, and they weren't seeing that. And he was trying to figure out what's the best way for us to message and, and communicate with the, the African-American community in the South. And of course, Douglas's name came up. And this guy who happened to be in Toledo a week earlier goes, you know what, don't count on Douglas, because I just ta- saw him speak, and he's not real happy with you. And that really shocked Lincoln. Uh, he was really surprised. And wanted to know the whole details. And when the person got through explaining it all, he said, get a hold of Douglas and get him here as soon as you can. So um, as, as a result of the speech in Toledo, Frederick Douglass was summoned to the White House to speak to Lincoln. And during that conversation, they kind of settled up. Lincoln um, shared with him a letter he had written, um, basically you know, saying he wanted to prosecute those that were involved in any of these prisoner of war murders, um, which made Douglas feel better that he, you know, fulfilled his, his commitment. And then Lincoln shared some other things about what was going to happen in terms of reconstruction. And then boom, they suddenly become, they, they suddenly work together throughout the rest of Lincoln's life. And, and, uh, it's amazing to me that the, there was a Toledo connection to that. 
Absolutely. And like their relationship, as I mentioned, it was complicated. And as you illustrated, um, Douglas didn't move. Uh, Lincoln wasn't moving fast enough for, for Douglas. And, and they weren't big fan or um, Douglas wasn't a big fan of Lincoln when he first became president as well. And now maybe this relationship and where it wound up being was destined to happen. Um, maybe Douglas would have spoken in Detroit or in Kansas and it would have caught the ear. But the fact that it happened here, such an inflection point for such an important relationship, our history is it, it just really struck me. And, and again, that's why I wanted to have you on, because to me that again, as a Civil War buff, like a seminal moment in our history happened because of here in Toledo. That's right. That's right. And it's interesting when you, uh, for example, go back and look at the, you know, the, the sources, the primary sources of the day. In my case, um, it was a couple of different um, newspaper articles describing the speech. You never get the impression uh, of the importance of what just happened. It, you had to, I had to really do some other digging to stumble onto the whole um, connection back to being summoned to the White House. Can I go back a second to uh, to the day in the sun, which people may or may not remember the um, sure. the hundredth anniversary of it just happened a couple of years ago, and we had a big event celebrating that. In fact, now I like to highlight for people or tell them that we actually have a an emerging boxing scene in here in Toledo. Um, one of the, the the great young heavyweights, Jared Anderson, is from here in Toledo, and Robert Easter. But can I get your thoughts on the hundredth anniversary and how the festivities went for that a couple of years ago? Uh, I was involved in those. It was pretty interesting. Actually, that same summer, C-SPAN came into town. Um, they were doing their city tour, and I took a crew down to the site of the fight uh, in, um, uh, near Point Place there and, and told the story, and, and uh, they were fascinated. They had no idea. Um, I think Toledoans, you know, that's, a, that's one of those stories over the years when I do tours or lectures, you tell that story. It got certainly out much more since that 100th anniversary, but a few years back when you tell people that there was an 80,000 seat arena <laughs> built at Bayview Park, people would just roll their eyes and say, you know, you're crazy. And um, and then you tell them the, the story and, and then the fact that the thing was basically torn down within a few months of the event, people are just, you know, they, they're, they're shocked. Uh, Forgotten Visitors, Northwest Ohio's notable guests um, with Ted Long. You can grab a copy, HolyToledoHistory.com, where Ted blogs, or also YouToledoPress.com. You are, uh, you're working on a couple of other books, right? I am. I'm just, I finished my second book uh, uh, late fall, and that'll be published April 1st. And that is called, and I don't make the titles up, it's... <laughs> 100 things to do in toledo before you die and it is published by a group out of st louis called reedy press and they have uh, about 200 of these books out in a series um you know 100 things to do in san francisco 100 th things to do in atlanta and um they somehow stumbled onto my blog uh last year and said you know we want to hit the middle market toledo's a perfect market we've read your stuff you know a lot about toledo could you write the book so i did and that'll be published April 1st, and I'm looking forward to that. It's kind of a, kind of a you know bucket list of things you should do in Toledo, broken out by different categories. Um, and then I'm working on a third book right now called Remarkable Spaces, 
and I'm working with an incredible photographer, uh, Matthew McNulty, and Matthew specializes in architectural photography. And essentially what we've done is we've sat down and, and, and selected about 40 places in this area that we consider to be remarkable spaces. And they could be a barn, a church, a industrial site, office building, or a home. And Andrew's doing the photography and I'm doing a history essay on each of those 40 places. And that will be published through University of Toledo Press targeting uh, 2022. Can you throw some of the uh, some of the gems in the 100 um, out at me? I mean, there's some obvious places that we can all guess what will be on the list. But what might people not have discovered as they um, go through our because people here do have a ton of pride in our, in, in our area and, and the spots that they hit, the, the metro parks and the museum and all the usual spots, some of the great architecture, the, the Pythian Castle, I love Ford Industry Square. What are some of the gems on that list that people might want to certainly check out with the book, but also uh, go explore themselves at some point? Yeah, well, um, one that I love to talk about is uh, the House of Four Pillars. Uh, if you're not familiar with that's at um, 322 East Broadway, just as you make the curve as you're coming into Maumee um, uh, from you know Toledo along the river. Uh, beautiful, beautiful home with these huge um, pillars in the front. Uh, it was part of the uh, Underground Railroad, has a lot of other history involved in it. So that's, that's one home, for example, that I've always been really impressed by that I think a lot of people um, probably drive by it and don't, don't spend a lot of time thinking about it. Um, another place that we've spent a lot of time at recently is Westminster Church in Vistula uh, on the north end that's now currently being completely redone as part of a, a master project being put together. Um, and I'm going to lose the name is in the tip of my tongue, but um, gentleman there has done some incredible work and that church itself has just got its own history into it from the standpoint that, you know, originally, you know, it was Mother Church um, for, uh, you know, a pretty established neighborhood in Toledo. And then suddenly, um, not, not, I think it was less than 25 years, they sold the church to St. John's College. And then it was turned into a gymnasium. Uh, a lot of people know that it was used as a basketball center for Catholic youth basketball programs. It was a boxing center. You mentioned the boxing history in Toledo. So, you know, again, that there's another building that people probably don't know about or have driven by and not thought twice about, but it's a remarkable space, you know, architecturally as well as the history of it. I'm glad you brought it up because I wanted to ask you about it. You uh, you do some walking tours of the Old West End, and, and everybody that listens to this podcast and the show, we are all big Old West End fans. During the last 10 months, I know my, my group of people, we were all extremely disappointed of all the things that we missed out on, the opening days and all that, but not having the Old West End Festival was a real gut punch. And I'll, I'll come back to you talking about the, the walking tours of that that were fingers crossed for the spring. But I when I first moved here, I lived downtown. I lived sure. in St. Clair Village. And I came to love downtown. I always wanted to live in a, in a metro downtown. Um, and I got to experience it. I got to watch downtown uh, emerge and blossom right before my eyes. And I kept thinking, you know what? There's so much growth here. It's going to spill over past Cherry Street and up Summit. And I think the potential is there for the Vistula area 
to be uh, another Old West End, and I'm really excited for the growth in that area, and my only hope is that, you know, you don't displace people, but it is a great neighborhood, and I'm looking forward to its growth. I agree. And the gentleman I was trying to think of is uh, Fred Truhoff. He's he's uh, done an incredible job uh, with that uh, Westminster Church and also the former uh, Metropolitan Distributing uh, Company building there, the warehouse. I couldn't agree with you more about that neighborhood. I've said for years that, you know, if this was Portland or some of the other cities um, that you're familiar with where, um, you know, folks have decided that downtown living is, is you know, the really has big benefits, um, you would see that neighborhood taken up so much uh, sooner than it has been in Toledo. And I, I can't quite put my finger on why. I think some of it is um, it, it, the stigma, I think, which is sad, of that North End. Um, and then some of it, too, I think, is just the idea of crossing Cherry Street. It's like Cherry Street has always just been this boundary that says, I'm not downtown anymore. Um, but I, I, I'm with you 100%. I think we're all going to get over that. And I think that neighborhood is, is really going to show its true, um, you know, uh, capabilities. I, it's, to me, when you think about the history of this community, that's where the elite lived first, you know, before they had the uh, streetcars and could get people out to the old West End. Vistula was where the elite built their house. That was the kind of the quiet side of town versus the dirty, nasty, you know, dusty, noisy um, uh, St. Lawrence area where they were offloading all the, the boats and the ships. And uh, I, 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 too, hold out for that. I think it'll be a great, um, someday a great neighborhood. And I also agree uh, gentrification is a great thing until you see what it does in terms of displacing people. And we have to be very careful of that. Absolutely. It's, uh, as, as we say these days, thread the needle. Um, another neighborhood, and then we can go back and talk about the, the, the walking tours. Another neighborhood that I, I like a lot, I, uh, I was able to work with the Sofia Quintero Arts and Cultural Center a couple of years ago, and I fell into the old South End, which was less than a mile from where I lived. Yeah. And I was told about the uh, Taqueria, which I believe is now is closed. But other people slowly um, are finding about uh, finding out about the old South End. We have a, a great Spanish population there, but also, in my opinion, a, um, a great hidden neighborhood. What are your thoughts on it? Totally agree. Again, I think that's another hidden gem. I um, In the Leadership Toledo Tours, we always make sure we travel through that neighborhood and get off the beaten path and travel through some of the uh, what might some people might consider to be the grittier part of town i mean that's part of toledo it's part of the story and um the last time we did that tour obviously we didn't get to do it this past year because of covid but we also stopped and spent some time at flock and you know what there's another part of our history that the, the idea of uh, labor history and in particular farm labor history and, uh, you know, the migrant workers, um, all that ties together in that neighborhood, the flavors, the, the colors, um, the architecture, it's, it's all good stuff. Awesome. All right. I, I mentioned it a couple of times. Um, fingers crossed. It looks like you're going to do some old, uh, old West End walking tours this spring. So I am, I'm working on, and just finishing up actually a project. I'm now doing my tours virtually using an application called VoiceMap, which is a uh, mobile phone based app, uh, uses GPS technology. The app is free. 
you download it and then uh, you basically, it, it finds your location by the GPS and says, look, here are the tours are available. I have one out now that's called The History of the Maumee and it's about a four and a half hour tour that starts from downtown behind the Owens Corning headquarters, takes you all the way down to Grand Rapids, Ohio, across the river and then back up to Perrysburg and East Toledo and tells you the story, military history, American Indian, all the history you need to know along the Maumee. Uh, that was my first project. I just released Unholy Toledo, the gangster tour on the same platform. And then uh, later this month, gonna release a three-part series walking tour of the Old West End. Um, north, kind of what we're calling the cathedral neighborhood, the middle part of the neighborhood, which we're referring to as kind of the campus area in terms of Marymance and St. Ursula, and then um, obviously the uh, museum area. So really looking forward to that. It covers the history, you know, obviously all the architecture. And then I'm working with uh, a really fantastic historian that was really the person that got me started on all this with the uh, Leadership Toledo tours, Ted Ligabel. Uh, and most people in the Old West End know Ted. And he's working with me on this tour and he's covering the generations and which is so important to any tour of the Old West End. And, you know, you could walk around the Old West End and talk about the architecture, for, you know, all day long, but the people stories are what really makes it uh, exciting for me. And Ted and I are kind of weaving that story into these tours so you can learn about the first generation that arrived and then the follow-up generation, the middle generation in the 50s and 60s um, who kind of congregated around um, Rosary Cathedral area, and then the follow-up group that came after that, then the conversion over towards uh, the history registration and kind of preserving the neighborhood and all the leadership that had to happen to take to have that take place. All that's kind of told in these tours. Incredible. Um, I, I have one last question, but first I'll say I, it's probably too late and you don't name the books, but 101 things to uh, to do in Toledo before you die is uh, connect with you because you are truly a treasure. This has been a, a great conversation, but my last question, and then we can talk about anything else you, you want to throw out there is um, people have said to me, I do a lot of mental health advocacy. I, I do enjoy writing and, and throwing a blog. I um, But podcasting and doing the radio show are one thing. But people have said to me before, and I'm not saying this to, to, brag but they're like you should write a book and um <laughs> it's yeah. i've been told it's a grueling experience you took somebody up on that how tough was it to write a book and now working on others you know I, I, honestly the first chapter was uh, a chore i you know once i agreed to do the book we agreed to i signed a, a contract we agreed on a you know drop dead date for the manuscript draft and frankly, I kind of, you know, I'll think about this. I'll let it ruminate. And then I went down to Charleston, South Carolina for vacation with my family and took the grandkids and I was sitting by the pool and I thought, you know, I could sit here all week and, you know, not do a thing, or I could, you know, use this opportunity to sit by the pool in the beach here and try to kick out a chapter. And I got into it realizing it was not something I really wanted to do on vacation, but I got a little bit of the work done and realized as soon as I got back that I really needed to focus. And I got through that first chapter. And then after that, honestly, it was fairly easy. And I think 90% of that is because of the passion I have for local history. And just, I love, you know, I love a good story. 
And um, there's so many of them in, in Toledo that I was kind of enjoying just stumble on, stumbling onto all these different facts and, and um, tales about Toledo. Well, thank you. I'm glad I came across the article in the in the Blade. Um, I'm glad that that led me your way. And thanks for sharing. Too. Thanks for sharing some of these stories. Anything else that we could hit on before we wrap up? This has been a great visit. Well, I I the only thing I would kind of push to everybody is you know we it's been very tough on what I would call the arts and cultural community uh, in terms of what's happened in the last year with COVID. And, you know, we sit here now looking out on the horizon and, you know, we know there's a vaccine somewhere down the road, but man, if you get a chance, make sure you're supporting art and culture in this community because they have taken it on the chin. So, you know, Arts Commission, the museums, um, you know, make sure you're supporting them and make sure they don't go away because of what they'd have to suffer through here. So. Um, my book is also available at the Fort Meg's gift shop. Uh, and, you know, if you get a chance and that's where you want to buy it, you'd be supporting a great cause. Any of the local history museums. And again, as I said, the Arts Commission, um, support art and support culture. They need it probably now more they, than they ever have. Yeah. I'm a big fan of the Arts Commission. You've mentioned Leadership Toledo a couple of times. That's how um, I, I got to know and like them a, a lot through uh, through Sam Meldon, who was there. So another great organization. And, and to echo your point, um, I, we all rave about our art museum. And, and my line is, if, if I blindfolded you and you didn't know where you were and I dropped you in our art museum, you would think you were in a, a Paris or New York City type place. And it is a gem. But if you if you really yeah. spend a lot of time in, in Uptown, um, you can respect how great our our art culture here is as well because it it's it's um it's undervalued a little bit but it deserves all the credit in the world because the, the arts culture here is, is really incredible i agree ted thanks so much it was great to chat with you maybe one of these days when the world gets a little bit back to normal we can do some coffee or i can come to a presentation of yours because I, I could sit and listen to you talk oh, about I'd history yeah. uh, anytime ted thanks so much Thank you, Eric. Appreciate it.